Welcome to Catalytic Conversations. I'm Wendy Dickinson, founder of Ascend to Sell. I coach business owners through key transitions that are unknown territory, primarily mergers, acquisitions, and family succession. My clients are experts in running their businesses. They've reached a point where they need to know what their business is worth, how to lead through the transition process, and know that a lack of an exit strategy threatens their legacy. I've designed a five-step process called AAA M&A. AAA M&A gives owners greater confidence through preparation and greater respect at the table. My mission is to help my clients maximize returns and minimize regrets. This podcast explores the volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity that business owners face every day. My guests explore their challenges, pivot points, and decision-making strategies. As listeners, you have the opportunity to reach out to ask questions, share thoughts, and learn from the experiences of others. Today, I'd like to welcome Rhonda and Jim Levitt. Welcome to the podcast, and thanks so much for being here. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. So, Rhonda and Jim, tell us a little bit about your business and what it does. Um, Our business is Grand Cayman Villas and Condos, and we manage 70 homes on Grand Cayman from a booking perspective. These are vacation rentals. Uh, They may be owned by absentee owners, but they hire us to do the marketing and booking and uh, take care of their guests uh, from the time they book until the time they arrive on Grand Cayman. And I have had the great pleasure, listeners, of staying in some of Rhonda and Jim's properties. And I can tell you, it is well worth the trip. I highly recommend Grand Cayman Villas and Condos. I'd love to find out what your very first job was. Rhonda, why don't you start? My very first job was at Baskin Robbins. I think I made $1.35 an hour, if I recall. Living large. Yep. And the cool part was, is if there weren't any customers in the store, you could eat whatever, you know, any product there. And so fortunately, during the wintertime, when business was slow, I had a really good time. I ate a lot of hot fried sundaes. But from then on, I went to Roy Rogers, um, waited tables. So I did a lot with food for a number of years until I kind of got a real job, so to speak. Not a real job, but uh, nine to five, let's say. Learned a lot about people, I'll bet. Yes, yes. Always worked with the public. Customer service. Yes. Yeah. Jim, how about you? What was your first job? Like most young boys, I I delivered papers uh, when I was about eight or nine years old in my neighborhood. Um, That would give you some spending money, not much at all, but at least it gave you a sense of obligation and mission and and, uh, accomplishment when you got rid of that last paper. Well, that too, I'm sure you learned a lot about customer service and timely delivery on that job. So where did those experiences lead the two of you? Rhonda, you mentioned when you got your 9-to-5 job. What was your your 9-to-5 career path like? Well, I, um, from waiting tables for a number of years, I got a job as a receptionist for on Capitol Hill for a congressman from New Jersey. And um, so I sat at the front desk and answered phones and some, um, you know, light correspondence and um, greeted uh, constituents who would come in and, and that kind of thing. And so, again, it was always dealing with the public. 
Um, it was great in that I had more structure uh, for my time because I had my weekends off and I, I did not work late. So that was really great. I could plan my, my personal life better. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just was, I don't know, it, it taught me a greater sense of responsibility because it was more structured and more consistent. Yeah. Every morning you had to be, you know, make the commute from Fairfax into the city and ride the bus and get on the metro and all of that. And so from there, I, I moved into a legislative assistant job for another congressman um, and worked on Capitol Hill for about four years doing answering correspondence and managing databases, just a lot of different things. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Jim? Well, uh, growing up, I had many different jobs, everything from, you know, backbreaking work in the fields in South Carolina, picking tomatoes and cucumbers to uh, construction jobs into, you know, my high school years. I worked at gas stations and I worked at restaurants, uh, you know, just like Rhonda did. And, um, but probably my, you know, I started to lean towards, um, you know, sales. I, I really started to enjoy sales and, and dealing with people um, about the time I was in the Navy. I was a Navy officer, uh, graduated from, from college, and I was a supply officer on a ship. And the supply officer, he's in charge of, you know, all kinds of things, everything from paying people to the laundry to the ship store to repair parts um, and the food service industry. Um, I ended up uh, liking the food service industry because it was a service business and hospitality. I enjoyed that and did that for a year or two, but I really got to enjoy in the Navy running the ship store and coming up with creative sales ideas to generate income for the ship store. What most people don't realize is that the profits from the ship store and the Navy post exchanges it all goes into the morale, welfare, and recreation fund for the uh, for the sailors and the and the uh, the people in the navy. Um, so, our goals were to buy certain things like uh, an inflatable boat for the for the ship's dive club, the uh, get a Hobie cat for the officers, you know, things like that. But uh, sales is really where I ended up focusing um, uh, until I went to grad school. Mm-hmm. And then. Tell us about how did your business, your current business, how did you get the idea for that? How did it get started? Well, I was a bond salesman for about 20 years for different Wall Street firms, and uh, and I enjoyed that. It was a lot of fun. And in good years, uh, Rhonda and I would vacation, and and uh, probably about two, the year 2000, uh, we were looking to buy a beach house. We ended up settling on Grand Cayman because of the climate and uh it was just a very very nice island well and the ability to rent it out year round and we went ahead and built a larger house there than we obviously that we normally would have built because the vacation rental market was slowly taking off Mm. and Mm -hmm. so we built uh one house there in 2000 and um and my career on wall street allowed me to do that and and also i had enough downtime where i could rent it um, part-time and cover the mortgage. Well, and you know, another thing is we you kind of broke ground putting it on the internet, oh. which at the time was very unique. Like we'd have people, you know, we'd put pictures and develop a website for 
the first property that we had. And a lot of people would respond, but also say, now, is this legitimate? Because I've never purchased anything off the internet before. Oh, interesting. And so, yeah, so it was a lot of talking on the phone and saying, yes, we are, you know, we are real people. This is a real home. It's really nice. And that, you know, looking back on it, you know, that was fun to, to yeah. think about. And, uh, you know, Wall Street was pretty good to me. Uh, that was 2000. And then in 2002, Rhonda and I uh, held our nose and took a plunge and bought a, a derelict property in Grand Cayman with a vision towards turning it into something much greater. And uh, and so we bought a large house and spent the next year renovating it, getting it ready to put into the rental program as well, got it in. And um, right when we got that finished, it was right about the time that Wall Street was waning and uh, 03, 04, and uh, the money wasn't as good. Um, there was a lot of uh, a lot of scrutiny by the government, and transparency um, was demanded by, you know, Arthur Levitt, uh, the SEC chairman. And anyway, the money was pretty much chased out of the the industry. So we had four children at home and private school to pay for, and uh, I just really didn't see um, Wall Street doing all that for us. And so I began looking around to do something else. And uh, I knew that the only other um, choice for owners like myself on Grand Cayman uh, to hire someone to book your house for you charged uh, almost 30% commission. Wow. And uh, and I felt that with the internet squeezing, um, you know, shortening the the sales cycle and also becoming more credible with people uh, purchasing over the internet. I felt that I could do that for about half the cost of 30% and do a better job and be more owner centric than my competition. So in 2004, you know, Rhonda and I had a, uh, you know, come to Jesus meeting and we thought about it and said, and I said, this is what I'd like to do. And, um, we just said, held okay. our nose and I went out and purchased a front page for dummies um, and went up to the office over top of the garage and started reading on how to you know, write a website, how to create a website. Mm -hmm. um, did that for about three or four months and then uh, tendered my resignation. And, um, and I can't say that we didn't start at zero because we, we were good savers uh, going through and I did have enough deferred compensation to pay us and, and all of our living expenses for three years. Um, and then we had some savings as well, if it took four years. Um, but thank goodness it didn't take that long. And uh, we, I took off, I got the website up and running, and it was what's called a brochure site, just you would inquire about houses. Mm -hmm. you, it was not an e-commerce site like no, it is now. you couldn't book mm -hmm. online like you can now. Okay. Yeah, you couldn't book online, you couldn't search dates, uh, you know, yeah, people would just call in mm -hmm. or send you an email and you would respond. And We used Excel, you know, for every contract, it was an Excel contract, and I think in the first uh, first 12 months, we sent out about uh, about 180 contracts, and we felt that was pretty, wow. pretty great, you know, and... A lot of paper, a lot of files up in, the, up in that... Uh, TV room. Yeah. 
on the second floor of the house. And so uh, we, you know, we got that business was was started, and uh, but it was me and only me, and Rhonda was raising the four children, and mm-hmm. uh, I worked from about seven in the morning until eleven o'clock every night. Oh yeah, answering emails and um, calling people and back. Phone calls, dinner, Christmas Day. So, so calls always came. I'd love to ask, so if the two of you, so you had that conversation together before you had stopped working at your previous job, right? right? Yes. What was that conversation like, looking back on it? Was it scary? Was it, did it make um, sense? I mean, you know. Well, Jim came to me, I remember one evening, and opened up the conversation. So he had already thought all of this out. Mm -hmm. I really didn't. I mean, maybe I had some hints, but overall he had already thought it all the way through. So Mm -hmm. frankly, from my perspective, the conversation was kind of selling me on the idea. Right. And it made sense um, given our needs, our family needs and whatever. And, you know, I just, you just don't know what it fully means Right. You know, in the long run. Right. But it made perfect sense at the time. So, you know. So would the two of you have any recommendations for somebody? Let's say there's somebody out there listening now who has an idea for a business. Would you ha- would you recommend that they have three years of savings? Would you recommend that they bring their, their spouse on board first? Well, yes, to both. And I guess maybe... The one, definitely some some fallback, um, some funds, right, uh-huh. to get yourself through some of those early lean times. Um, but probably one thing that would have been really helpful, hindsight being 2020, is to talk about the division of labor that will need to take place. That's a good idea. Right? Yeah. When, when two people, and are you, are you going to be partners, or is... They're going to be one person who's going to be in charge of trying to get this business together, and me being, you know, the like the CEO of the domestic portion yes, part of yes. our family. Then, you know, what what our expectations are right. going to be of each other at that time? Oh, that's brilliant. We didn't really flesh that out. Yeah, well, but, you and, know, you and, just kind of see how it goes. But yeah, we just didn't think about that part of it. And, and then, Jim, would you also recommend, you sound like you did your due diligence for three or four months before you stopped working at your, your nine-to-five job, or your not nine-to-five, but your other job. I'd say I did it more like a year. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about it for about a year, about the third year in a row that I didn't get paid a bonus from Wall Street. You know, it starts to get your attention, and you start yeah. to think, you know, the definition of insanity. Yes. Um, so... <laughs> You know, there were a number of reasons why I chose it. You know, they always say if you if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. And I enjoy going to Grand Cayman. I enjoy talking to people about their vacations, helping them solve their problems, finding a product that fits their needs. And the other thing, which was great, unlike Wall Street, I was not in competition with everyone on the street. Mm-hmm. Grand Cayman only had one real monopoly on the island that rented houses there was no one else if I did it I saw an opportunity to capture a significant part of that market in a short amount of time if I just treated the owners well charged a fair return for my effort Mm -hmm. and I could scale this business up to you know a hundred units over time 
and then um, and develop a good reputation for doing it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I can remember you coming to me, you know, when we talked and saying, I think there's a need for this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try it. And especially with our fir- with our house, you know, kind of cutting his teeth, so to speak, on it, on mm-hmm. our own house. But after a few months and of success there, I think there's a need. I'm going to give this a try, you know, and, and that's what you were thinking. Yeah, that's and what, we how you approached our, it. And we did tighten our belts a little bit, too. We, at the beginning, you know, for this business, I felt it was going to take at least three years to build out. For some other Internet business or some, you know, acute need business, it could be only a year of mm-hmm. income that you need to have, say, you know, mm-hmm. put aside. But we, we resigned a country club membership. You know, things we did some things that we needed to do to make it happen. And, um, and I just think that in the end, um, the two of us sat down and realized this would be a better, more stable solution for a career for me and maybe even for our children. Maybe yeah. our children would be interested in it from the standpoint of it being a family business in the future. And, and so... What about quality of life? How did your quality of life? I know you mentioned you tightened a little bit, but as far as what it was like for you to go to work every day before and what it was like to go to work every day for yourself with the idea that you might pass it on to your kids. Well, pretty much every entrepreneur will tell you they never work harder than they work for themselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And my hours went from 7 a.m. to 4 in the afternoon as a bond trader to 7 a.m. to 11 p.m working for myself. Mm -hmm. Now, the quid pro for that was I was not working for the house the way I was working for Wall Street. I was in control of the distribution of commissions that we earned and not the other way around. If we sank, it was because of me, and if we prospered, it was because of me. And so from my own personal, you know, personality, that appealed to me. Um, it was a service business, I, it was a sales business, and it was also a business that I knew I had very specific product knowledge of the mm-hmm. island yeah. and of the homes. And all of those things collectively can really become a big advantage to a startup. So it really only took us about two years to get going. The problem was is that it took about three years to be able to generate enough income to supplant the income that I was making on Wall Street. Okay. All right. So what was the first sign that the business was going to work? I don't know. You could probably answer that better than me. Yeah. I knew it was going to work Fairly from the beginning. On, right? um, but I think the big, the big first sign was when you go out and you pitch owners on coming with you who are with the other person. Uh-huh. In my case, I created the business. I started up about, I signed up about six or eight people pretty quickly, friends who had made, you know, down in Grand Cayman. That's a chatty place. And so people run into each other. The word got around and my phone started to ring. No advertising or anything. People just said, I'm not happy with who I'm with. And we all know who that was. And so I signed people up over the next two years. I really didn't have to make a whole lot of outgoing phone calls. The calls came to me. So in my business, this business, um, the key to the business is the product and the owners that own the product. Mm-hmm. And so 
we had that going for us at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so when we got up to about 25 properties, and that was in about three years, I knew that it would, it would take off. It would, it would do. And there were plenty of people building houses and realtors that needed uh, estimates on rental income from me that I knew we could get a quid pro quo referral from, uh, contractors, and then there were on-island property managers whose income relied on the success of the rentals for their owners. And even they, I went and pitched them too, and they uh, would steer their, their owners towards us. Oh, that's great. Management. So what were some of the challenges with your particular business? Well, Technology. probably geographically, number one. Oh, gosh, yeah, yeah. The fact that we live in Virginia, in the mm-hmm. U.S., and the homes are in, on, in the, on a Caribbean island. So just the, the commuting, you know, back and forth many times throughout the year. Hmm. Yeah, if we were, yeah, if we were in Grand Cayman, this thing would have been shortened up to about one year. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we would have many, many other businesses. Probably just, but, we'd probably just be the, the king of, the mayor of Grand Cayman yeah, at this it was, point. Yeah. It was very easy because it's, it's pretty parochial island and people... You know, we're a little slower there, and I felt like I was at a, a good age. I could have done some good things down there. But, yes, yeah, so geographically, that was a challenge. Capital was not really a challenge because we didn't need that much capital mm-hmm. to start the business. The barriers to entry for the business were things like the relationship with the owners. But the big barrier to entry was technology. That's where I needed to put my biggest investment was to build an e-commerce website as soon mm-hmm. as I could mm-hmm. so that I could be out there in front like Amazon was doing yeah. and people were able to purchase right online with a secure sockets layer. But the SSL and all that was just in its infancy back then. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so we kind of had to wait until 2011, 12 before we could invest in that technology and that was the seminal event for the growth of our company. Mm-hmm. When we had an e-commerce website, it took off after that. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you this. What happens, like, for example, with a weather event? Because is, is that yeah. something that you guys have had to deal with? Well, yes, for our own houses um, and certainly others. But yes, because um, you get hit with a hard hurricane and you've got, that'll shut down your guests coming, mm-hmm. you have to reimburse the guests mm-hmm. who have paid you money already. Mm-hmm. You have to fix your home. The other owners have to fix their home. So, mm-hmm. yes, I don't know how you guard against that, really. But it's not but, really a short-sighted part on our part, but it's just an act of God thing that came right. in, and you just have to have the faith that you can turn it around. Timing is everything. Uh, like, oh, yeah. 304 is when we came into the business, and I resigned Wall Street, what we had three houses that we owned on Grand Cayman, which was a significant part of our, our net worth. And then I had just made the decision to resign my job. And okay. the business was also basically on Grand Cayman as well. And then we got an enormous Category 5 hurricane in Grand Cayman oh, I forgot uh, about that. in September of 2004 that shut down the island for I've... four to six months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so at that point, not only are you refunding people, like Rhonda said, the deposits that they've paid for their vacation, no one's booking because no one can come. 
Right. So not right. only are you hurt from a personal net worth standpoint, but your business is also stuck in, in neutral right. for a while. Yeah. So, um, but fortunately that was within the three years of our first, you know, mm-hmm. startup. Yeah. And we, you know, we labored through it. And um, it also, as you mentioned, Wendy, it provided some opportunity for us because my competitor on the island was equally as affected mm-hmm. and did not act as quickly as they should have to turn their business around. And um, as people repaired their homes, they reevaluated who they were with and they saw we were up and running quickly. Mm-hmm. And that was a big growth part for us, 04 to 05. Wow, that's a great example. Well, yeah, and Jim, we saw the weather. We actually, every fall, you know, we keep mm-hmm. close contact watching NOAA, the, you know, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Association, watching the hurricanes as they sweep through and yeah. charting those to see if there's any potential issues there. But we were watching Ivan come for a few days, and Jim... Got, he got down there the day after, I think he was able to fly before they shut all the airports down mm-hmm. and got a generator and took, I bought him a whole bunch of like tuna in foil packs and he just camped out down there where a lot, then they shut down travel so no one else could get in, but he got a jump on it. In the meantime, you know, we have four children within a six year period, so they're close in age and, and they had needs and it was just kind of like, you know, you just man the home front and yeah. he's gone taking care of business and hoping it all works out. So you developed the process for when Jim wasn't able to be here, when he had to be attend to things, boots on the ground, so to speak, down in Cayman. Mm -hmm. And then it sounds like you've developed, or the two of you have developed a process also for when you have to be down there. So has that kind of streamlined your ability to respond when something like that happens? Yeah, thank goodness we've only had it happen that one time. Yeah, badly. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah. It's been very. I mean, there have been hurricanes, but not like that. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. right. Minimal but I, damage. I have to. My part of the business now is I meet with owners. Uh-huh. Um, I'm my part of the my big part of my job now that we've hired other people is to maintain and develop the relationships with the owners and get more product. And so, in order to do that, and and do business strategy and things like that, but in order to do that. I have to coincide my trips every month with my owners, my potential owners. Oh, I and see. So right. I, they don't all live on the island. They come and go. Mm-hmm. So I try to times. get them all to come during a particular week, and then I can be down there and spend a day or two with each owner, walk them through the process, and help them. Um, I could share you know, the names of contractors and bankers and lawyers and all that with them so that they can make their their life a little easier and um, and take them down the learning curve faster than normally. Yes. And for that help, they will at least allow me to make a presentation to them why our company should be chosen to manage their bookings. Yeah. If not, give us the business just mm-hmm. outright. And so that's just one of those things that I do from a sales standpoint. But my sale is not to guests anymore. It's to the owners. Yeah, that's great. And, and so where did the two of you see the business in, in five years or ten years? Well, Jim speaks often about wanting to retire in five years. And I think you thought a lot about selling it, and that's always a possibility. But then lately there we've talked about just 
really finding people so that he can retire, keep keeping the company, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and the profits of it and generating, you know, profits, but having someone else step into that key man role that he is in right now. So, yeah. um, nothing's been decided hard and fast, but that we're just starting to think about that. Mm-hmm. And really because it's, it is so demanding of him 24 mm-hmm. mm-hmm. seven, that he thinks he's got about five, another five good years in him before he's just super burned out. One of so the that's things what we're doing. I'm sorry. One of the things that I try to encourage my clients to do is to think about where they want to be in five or ten years. And I know just through personal conversations with the two of you that you have been in conversation about this for a while. And um, putting some plans in place just to, to give yourself as many options as possible. Any thoughts or recommendations that the two of you might have for someone out there who maybe isn't at the point in life where the two of you are? And, and any recommendations about how to create options for themselves within their business? Yeah, um, it, it is industry specific on what, whether or not there's a market for your business. There is. And uh, if you have a business that is easily absorbed by another business, that's great. It provides you it can provide you some liquidity for it. Our particular business is in an industry, and there are people who are interested in buying our business and merging it into a larger, more horizontal vacation rental business that might have homes in Idaho, Denver, Florida, whatever. They just want to have a lot of different locations. Mm-hmm. Those aggregators, for lack of a better word, they're, they're internet driven, they're heavy e-commerce driven, they tend to pay only about four times EBITDA, mm-hmm. which is basically capitalizing your cash flow by 25% return on equity. I wish I knew now, I wish I knew 40, you know, 25 years ago what I knew now about that industry because I would have taken my three years of savings and I think I would have invested and purchased a property management company down in the Outer Banks. Oh, interesting. Because it's closer. Uh-huh. Uh, we could have moved there, you know, half of, half of the year, spend the working part of the year down there. And right. the again, summer, that geographical issue yeah. has Not been a real much. challenge. Yeah. It is. And so it's frustrating that that's your only avenue really to sell the business is to somebody who's going to pay you only four times EBITDA. On the flip side, though, our business is such that, and I'm 60, if I can reduce my role to the part of just being the person who deals with owners, Mm -hmm. and I don't do anything else but that, yeah, and I, you know, my travels are quarterly rather than monthly, and I don't get uh, mired in a lot of projects, construction projects down there. I, I enjoy working. I enjoy working and I can't imagine tomorrow if someone bought the business from me tomorrow, what I would do the next day. I don't like to play golf every day. Um, sure, we'd like to travel, but we'd do that for two years and then I would be bored. Mm-hmm. Um, Jim needs his plate filled quite high. I, I, need, I need something <laughs> on my plate. And that's a compliment. That's yeah. meant as a compliment. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. And um, so, and I've studied it enough that and now we're financially successful enough in the business, it would be a shame to sell it for such a poor multiple yeah. right when you're really starting to generate you know, earnings after ta- or before taxes. So I think 
the way we're going to go is um, starting now, uh, we are looking for someone, the right person, if the right person comes along that we can hire to come in uh, who may be in their 30s or 40s mm-hmm. to become the general manager of our business, we would rather do that also preserving an opportunity for perhaps one of our four children to work in the family business and still control the equity of the business for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. And at the end of 10 years, it could be one of our other children wants to get involved or at that time we may look to sell the business. But for right now, I enjoy what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I do need to think about having someone else in here as a general manager if I get hit by a bus um, or we have some health issue and that's right. what we are looking for. But prior to now, even a year ago, it seemed like selling mm-hmm. was the was the, the goal, the five to six year goal. Mm-hmm. And then after really looking at it, you know, came to the conclusion and that makes a lot more sense. Well, and it sounds like the recommendation is for somebody to continue to do their diligence and really mm-hmm. keep an eye and, and on what the market is doing, what the industry is is Yeah. But you know, for every entrepreneur and every business, it's it's different. That's just this business that I'm in. Mm-hmm. If I was an oper- one of your other clients, if I was a, an entrepreneur who had a manufacturing business mm-hmm. and the manufacturing business happened to be in vogue and people were paying sub 10% cap right. rates for That's it. Very different. And yeah. I felt that if I monetized that investment, regardless of my age, if I could monetize that investment and use those proceeds on some tax advantaged mm-hmm. basis to invest in a different business or a different startup or do something else for a while, you know, I'd look at doing that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd look yeah. at doing that, but um, mm-hmm. to, to it's give a unique away. business, unique industry. Yeah, it is. It's a unique industry, and um, but it's it's a growing industry. Um, HomeAway now has 2 million properties on their website to book. Uh, Expedia is big in this. The Wyndham Group is buying companies like ours um, to control, you know, accommodations. Uh, there are four or five other large entities out there that are buying companies like ours. So I don't want to say never, Yeah. but at 25%, I don't really care. At 10 to 15%, you know, maybe I'll, we'll look at it. Yeah. Makes sense. And then we'd have to do an earn out anyway. Um, anybody buying a business mm-hmm. like ours would require us to stay on for three right. years, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. especially me, because right. to develop the owners. Right. You have the relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just want to thank you both for being my guests today. And I so admire what the two of you have built. And um, you've given a lot of people a chance to learn through your experiences, which I always appreciate. So listeners, feel free to reach out with questions or comments. And Jim and Rhonda, if somebody wanted to look into Cayman and, and your properties, how could they get in contact with you or how could they do that research? Oh, gosh, uh, you just Google uh, Grand Cayman Villas and Condos or just Grand Cayman Villas. And it's easy to find us. Our URL is grandcaymanvillas.net. Great. Thank you both so much. And listeners, if you'd like to learn more about working with me as your coach, feel free to call me or go to my website, ascendtosell.com. And I'd love it if you would leave a review on iTunes and share this podcast with your contacts. 
Have a good day.